Who's your favorite comic book father? I mean, it's a hard question, because, like, Reed Richards? I mean, he's a... Reed Richards is a shitty-ass dad. And, uh, like, Magneto, he's still Polaris's father. Yeah. Yeah. I always give it to him, because he always tries. Well... In a shitty way, but he tries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, most of the characters have dead parents. Yeah, so when you ask me that, I'm like, who's even still alive? Uh, well... Uh, Nocturne has Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah, I guess we don't know her. We don't know if he can be a dad, though. Yeah, well, we haven't gotten that yet. Oh. Um, Spoilers! Yeah. Wolverine, greatest dad ever. Remember that time where he drowned his son? <laughs> Bust sticking his foot on his head? Oh, I thought you were going to say the time where he killed all of his illegitimate children. I haven't read that run. No, I'm talking about the end of Uncanny X-Force when he drowns Dick. That was great. I just had one on it would come to mind. Yeah, like, so many of these characters don't have fathers or... They're dead. Or Actually, the dad is in Silk right now. It's pretty good. I'm behind on Silk. Oh, it's the, it's the dragon guy that she keeps fighting. Oh, spoilers! Uh, Corsair. Huh? Corsair is a father. Yeah. He's a good dad. Well, I don't know. He he did sort of. Well. Actually, no. Do you know who I'll give him? He's not technically the father, but I'll give it to him. Cable. Yeah, but then that's a technically note again. What? Well, then it's a parental father figure. Because he raised Hope. Yeah. yeah, for him and Hope. I mean, he held her as the baby. And she basically recognizes him and calls him dad, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but if we're going to do that, I might say, uh... Phantom X and Deadpool for, uh... Evan. Technically it wasn't them, though, because it was those holographic parents that he had. Uncle Cluster only showed up every once in a while. That's where I'll give it to Cable only over them, just because he was actually there for the entire time. Yeah, there are so many missing fathers in comics. Um, well, there's Barry's dad, Henry Allen. Is he, though? Barry's dad killed his mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I learned in that show. <laughs> you learned nothing, then. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, Amadeus Cho's parents died in his origin story. Bruce Banner flat out killed his dad. <laughs> and I hope he burns in hell! Yep. Uh, to be fair, Bruce Banner's dad kind of deserved it, but... Well, the kids. Uh, like Ma and Pa kid. But then we're going technicality, so are we giving me Cable? If not, we can't give like him and I can't give you the Kents. Well, I'd say that the Kents did a... had a... the Kents had an easier job raising. And then if we're going to play that card, do we give Uncle Ben credit? Mm-hmm. Well, Uncle Ben, like, said one thing and then... But it's implied that <laughs> there was more. Just like for Miller's Day, do we give it to Aunt May? Especially to Ultimate Aunt May? Well, Ultimate Aunt May is the best Aunt May. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. Which is one thing I did... Enjoy that. That was the only page from Ultimate End number two that I enjoyed. 
That comic hit. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. I don't understand what is happening. This should it, be good. It's like, it's supposed to be the 616 in the Ultimate Universe Avengers teaming up, but it doesn't make sense within the timeline of the universe. No, because that was our problem. Was like, but Spider-Man escaped. So are there two six... We're, that's what we've been trying to figure out. So, like, so are there two 616 Spider-Mans now, technically? Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, I've got it. Because Cyclops was also there, and there's a couple others, and it was just like, this doesn't make any sense. Well, I also kept reading Ultimate End. The way they kept typing it up originally, they made it seem like it was going to be leading up to Secret War. Mm-hmm. But then clearly that's not the case, because the Thors all showed up. Yeah. What about Carol Danvers, Dad? Name's kind of a dick, too. Yeah. So... Uh, if you do have any suggestions for better comic dads, please mail them in to us. Are we part of that? Yeah, that's oh, a nice. cool open. This is Multiversal Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we are back talking about our favorite, well, my favorite gang of uh, universal hopping heroes, the Exiles. Are they yours? Who else is there? There's uh, the Extreme X-Men. Yeah, I mean, I guess they only have two arcs, though. Or I guess, like, two trades. I don't know, I did enjoy, actually, I will say, this uh, story arc much more than some of the other ones. Yeah, this is a uh, good one. We're going to be talking... I thought it kind of, like, started reaching, like, its potential. What, what uh, like, people talked about the hype, like, why it got to run for 100 issues. Yeah, exactly, because right now it's just kind of like, this would get cancelled so fast nowadays if this is how it were. Yeah, like, it was definitely powered a lot by Wizard Magazine, and, like, that sort of fandom behind it. Mm-hmm. The same people who made people think that Earth X was a good idea. Yes. It's not. I haven't read those. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about the uh, arc from 8 through 10, and then the standalone issue of episode, or from number 11. And as, always, or as we currently have, we're getting closer to the end of uh, Judd Winnick's run, or initial run on writing. We have Judd Winnick writing 
Uh, we have art by Mark McCone, Jim Calafior, uh, inks by Mark McKenna, Eric Cannon, John Poldridge, and Walden Wong. Uh, colors by Transparency Digital and lettering by Sharp Fonts Paul Detrone. So, uh, who is on our team, Devin? Well, we have Blink. And Blink is from the Age of Apocalypse. She opens portals. She's pink, and she's the leader of the team with the Talus, yes. a device that gives them missions. It's pretty much that one guy from uh, Quantum Leap. Yes. We have Nocturne. The daughter of Scarlet Witch and Nightcrawler. She can possess people. She is blue. And it is weird how she is pretty much solely defined in the opening paragraph as the oh. daughter of Scarlet Witch and Nocturne. Er, and Nightcrawler. Well, that kind of gives you a sense of her power set right there. Even though it's sort of like a weird merge of those powers. Yeah. We also have, uh... Mimic. Mm-hmm. Who can store up to five powers at a time. He's also Blink's boyfriend, and he currently has super strength, agility, uh, Colossus Metal Skin, super fast flight from North Star, Bone Claws, and another power that we'll reveal when it becomes storyline relevant. Yep. Even though we already knew about it anyway, but... Yeah, but it's easy to forget about these I month guess. to month. Morph. He transforms. He cracks jokes. We kind of don't like him. Nope. And then we have uh, Mariko. Uh, female version of Sunfire. She's the newest member of the team. She has fire powers, just like male Sunfire without... The really asshole ego. Yes. Then we have Jaffra Star. Thunderbird. The angsty former horseman of Apocalypse who's dating Nocturne. That's a secret. We didn't know that yet. No. That was a spoiler alert, Luke. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we open up with a series of... Unfortunate events. Uh, I was going to say a uh, cameo of uh, adventures that we really didn't get to see a lot of. Uh, like, there is a trip that they took to the Savage Land, where it spanned two continents. A world where they were the security force for Tony Stark, President of the United States, until he done got murked. Yeah, which is... I can totally see Tony Stark becoming president, and mm -hmm. I can totally see Tony Stark getting murked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was the Gamma Planet, where everyone was pretty much a uh, Hulk, uh, like, from what we see, they're all, uh, Bruce Banner-style Hulks instead of a mix of Bruce Banner Hulks and then She-Hulk female Hulks. See, I, but they didn't seem out of control. I felt like they were more She-Hulkish in the sense that they didn't seem super out of control. Like yeah, Hulk. but they don't really have the exaggerated female figure that She-Hulk has. Mm. It's the very blocky figure. Mm -hmm. We also have the world of the Spider-Demon, who... His costume is... Better give him was great, I liked him. It's, it's weird, it's like a... Like, the red part of his costume is scales, and he has a weird horn on the front of his head. Yeah, no, it did look strange. Yeah, and uh, Morph apparently took him down. Uh, we have the World of the x It's about time, damn fucking time. It's just like, you keep hyping this up that... You were on the Avengers, you were on the X-Men, you were like on every team ever. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't actually like do anything. Yeah, well, he is the uh, supporting character. We also have the world of the X-Babies, where uh, they say the less said, the better. 
But there's like baby versions of Banisher, Sebastian Shaw, Apocalypse, Mr. Sinister, Magneto, Juggernaut, Iron Man? Let me go to that page. Oh, the X-Babies? Yeah. yeah, like right here. Yeah, that's totally Iron Man. And then I th Which I totally loved too, because it was just like, oh, this is like totally like a precursor for uh, the X-Babies and the A-Babies from uh, Scotty Young. Mm -hmm. And there's the world of uh, Antelope Men who are just people in plaid shirts, uh, sort of like fishing pants with suspenders, and they have large antelope horns. Yeah, antelope men. Yeah, that was a weird thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't like that. Uh, they got to go on an adventure in Australia, which was more of a vacation. Uh, we get a foreshadowing of something that comes up in episode 11. And then we open up to Nocturne beating the crap out of Marrow. Yep. Marrow is a Morlock who makes weapons out of bones. She's pretty much Spike from uh, X-Men Evolution, except a lady. And she came first. Yeah. And we find out that uh, they have been prisoners of uh, this world where the Skrulls took over for over a month. Because Earth has been controlled by the Skrull Empire. For a century. Yep. The basic uh, background that we got is during the Industrial Revolution, the scrolls appeared, uh, and there's really no way that the humans could do shit about it. Yeah. Because H.G. Wells hadn't told them yet to cough on them. Yeah. And they were pretty much treated as second-class citizens on the world. Uh, they never really developed technology. Uh, but they're apparently used in red light districts for the scrolls, which really does not make sense at all. Because it's like, why would you have sex with a human if you could have sex with a scroll who could make themselves look like a human? Uh, but racial politics and sexualization of minorities are always weird. Because you can have a red light district, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh... So yeah, and then we find out as Nocturne is returning back to her little prison cell that only four of the members have actually been captured, which consists of her, Mimic has been captured, um, Proud Star has been captured, and Mariko has been captured. Mm -hmm. And we keep getting scenes of these brutal fights, like uh, they started the games, as they called them, 50 years ago, so where you have this panel of the thing from the Fantastic Four just walloping the heck out of Colossus, and I forgot how bit how like much of a powerhouse the thing was at the time. Mm -hmm. But like nowadays, we've had like the Sentry and all those other heroes who have that level of power. Yeah, exactly. Well, this confused me, and I guess they kind of explain it later, but it was just like, and I guess we can come back to it in a little bit. But yeah, the thing had raised some questions for me. About all of this. But anyway, yes. Then we cut to, oh no, a scroll battalion has seen Mimic. Or not Mimic, a uh, Blink. Blink. And her pink skin. Hmm. We can't have that. Oh shit. We've detected there's no one else with a power here too. Oh, Morph is casually a scroll. Yeah, Morph was trying to uh, sneak uh, Blink into the base. That way she could teleport them out. And they quickly realize that, oh, yeah, this guy who we think is a scroll is not a scroll shapeshifter. And so Blink uh, gets them out of there as fast as she can. 
but they're pretty much locked out of the base. Yep. But they are under watch by a mysterious Someone. man. Yeah. Uh, we cut back to the fights where we have Strong Guy uh, fighting Thunderbird. Which at first I didn't realize who that was. I totally thought it was Blob based off the first picture. Well, you just kind of see the big bulky form and then we see the big muscles later. Yeah, but, but he's got the white tuft of hair. And, uh... Yeah, but that's sort of Blob. Blob has kind of like the weird mohawk thing, too. Yeah, but white hair is, uh... The strong guy thing. And the strong guy, for those of you who don't know, he's normally part of X-Factor. He's naturally smart, unnaturally strong. And he's the type of person who would totally go and make... Or uh, who would give himself the name Strong Guy, mm-hmm. had he been in the regular universe. And, uh, Thunderbird, he, he's trying not to fight... But he's pretty much forced into it, and he ends up presumably breaking his spine. Yeah. And uh, we get our first reference to something called the Maxi Heavyweight Champion Banner Beast, who they're going to be leading. Who that is? Yeah. And uh, then it gets to uh, Mimic's fight. We don't see who it is yet. Yep. Well, Mimic's uh, fight is coming up. And then we find out the person who's been watching Morph and Blink is Sam Wilson. A.K.A. The Falcon. Yep. You know, from Captain America 2, Winter Soldier. And his brief cameo in Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get in theaters now. Uh, and then we get to cut to another great fight of Sunfire versus Avalanche. And uh, we find out that she like has like the most boring fights to actually watch. Which yeah. actually, though, I thought it was genius how she was winning them all. Yeah. She was just heating up like They're, the air right around their head so that they'd pass out. Yeah, they pretty much have heat strokes. And like they wanted her to fight Johnny Storm, but he was uh, recovering. And so she just beats the hell out of him. But you know who's watching these uh, fights? Scrolls. Space scrolls. Who uh, are, their ship is uh, just sitting out in space. They're talking about going and getting human prostitutes. And then all of a Yeah. Mikawa. And uh, the other guy doesn't even get a name. Nope. Because they're too busy being dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Terex, the Tamer, who is one of the Heralds of Galactus, appears. And you know Galactus, he eats worlds, got beaten by Squirrel Girl in the Squirrel Girl series. Well, they, they talked things out well. But, uh, this is not that type of Galactus. This is a Galactus with all sorts of weird stuff floating around him. And meanwhile, we find, or we cut back to, uh, Sam leading... Blink and Morph into the secret base of their person who's been inventing everything for him. They're just like, yeah, this dude, he was such a badass. He totally stole Skrull's ship with three of his friends and they went into space and one of them died. But two of them changed. And that man's name is Reed Richards. So basically guys who didn't make it. Yeah. Well, he, he and a three-man crew stole it, because we do see the other members. And then we, we know that Johnny and Ben live, so okay. Yeah. So It's not explicitly stated that it's Sue Storm, but it's totally Sue Storm. It could be Doom. 
I mean, it could be, but I just I took it as soup. Mm-hmm. But actually, no, this was good because actually up until this point, I wasn't sure who was going to be the person because I thought potentially it could be Tony Stark could be doing it just because maybe then he'll make some suits to combat the scrolls. Though up until this point, this is where we start hitting and we start getting other characters in play who are not mutants. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of them, it started like not making sense. Like, how do they get their powers though? Yeah. Uh, are you talking about... Most of the time about how he gets Spider-Man later. It's just like, well, where's this radioactive spider that's going to bite him? Or... Well, and then we also have the captain who shows up and he's a uh, mimic's opponent. And the captain is pretty much the definition of a model minority for the scrolls. He is the human who does everything that the scrolls want. And so the scrolls think that he's good enough to be a scroll, and his costume does not make sense. No. He's got like the gladiator pauldron on his shoulder, and then like right under his uh, armpit, going down to his side, he's got like some chain mail that's linked onto a giant belt that he has, and it looks like he's wearing ski pants, and then his shield is this weird sort of spiked on the edges with a purple heart. It looks like a thumbprint cookie. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. And It looks like a tool. Yeah. Mimic hates Captain America in this universe just because Captain America has been so... Because uh, he's great. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's who all the squirrels like. He feels that the Captain is betraying him. And so Captain America is like ready to fight him. He knows what powers uh, Mimic has shown. He's shown the beast skills. He's shown the Colossus skills. He's shown the Wolverine claws. And, and he's shown flight. Yeah. But guess what, guys? J.K. Smile, Captain America. What have you not seen? Oh, yeah. Optic Blast. <laughs> and he just shoots Captain America <laughs> in the head, knocking him out in like the championship round, five seconds flat. This is the biggest fight in the entire history of the games. And he just flips them the bird at the end. <laughs> Which I love, just like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that is a great opening scene. Because, I mean, you get a, that great character. And then he gets that great head tilt right there. Of, oh, did I do that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is just such... Great thing. Uh, and then we cut back to uh, the Reed Richards home, where we find out that uh, Blink has been getting uh, lessons on sort of the common Marvel history of the universe. So she knows who the Fantastic Four are supposed to be. And this is the one one of the things I will say that Morse powers are useful for, which I think they should use more often. Which is he tries to explain things to as they're explaining things to how like the world should be to Reed. He actually transforms into what Reed should look like. Yeah. At least in most universes. I don't know. I thought that was a good touch. Mm-hmm. Also, thing we should be bringing up, Reed Richards' hair. Whose does it look like? Uh, it looks like With Jesus that... and Rogue. And who else has hair similar to that, like Rogue, with that silver streak in that one particular place? Why, yes, Magnus. <laughs> when I saw his hair, I was like, No! 
Magnus, let me in your hair! We only killed you off four issues ago, your time isn't yet. Oh, and he also has weird gray patches on his beard. But yeah, he does have the Jesus hair. Mm-hmm. And he looks really angry <laughs> in a few of these panels, but uh, they've been picking up a message from uh, the scrolls, which is pretty much the height of a lot of their technology. And they find out that... I'm not a fan of more if I did enjoy that moment of his dickery of, like, Reed Richards, like, fucking goes from the <laughs> negative zone for, like, tea and cake. Yeah. And this guy's excited because he made a radio. Yeah. Well, this is where Morph starts to sort of work more, and I actually start to like him as a character. But we find out that all of the off-world communication for the scrolls has been cut off. And so the what? scrolls on the planet are freaking out. And then they see Terax is approaching Earth. And they know that that means Galactus is going to be there soon. And so all of the scrolls just... Leave. Yeah. And they're flying saucer ships. And uh, with that, all of the gladiators are free for the first time. And there's a, a great panel where Peter Parker is just crawling away and uh, Mimic's like, oh, I always liked you, Parker. And he's like, thanks. Hey, how do you know my name? Yep. I also love, too, that I feel like it was just something that... It was just always screwed up here. Which is, should we just stay put? And that is clearly Peter Parker asking that question. And then he's like, Psh, screw that. Yeah. And then, uh... Terex has pretty much come to the world. And he's like, yes. Flee! Run like children! Run like dogs! You are not worthy to die at my hands! Then all the gladiators are like, ah, oh, bro, step off. Yeah, they're, they are pissed. I, I love this uh, line here. With the exception of the exiles, the majority of them have been prisoners for decades, bred to fight, ordered to combat each other, or face death. And in their first taste of true freedom, they find this idiot terrorizing their people. And it's just this great full-page splash of, like, Sauron, Giant Man, Havoc, uh, Norman Osborn, Valkyrie, Shang-Chi, uh... But, but that brings up some of my questions, like, Sauron and, like, Valkyrie, and, like, how did they become parts of the Marvel Universe if the Skrulls have taken over? That's where I started getting a little confused. Yeah. Well, there's also a Punisher there. You know, Punisher's just a normal person. Yeah, but he is a person who... Who would he really be angry against? Everyone. He hates the system. Yeah. That's, that's, re that's really who killed his family. The yeah. system. And that's all it took for heroes to be born. And so they're all just, like, running up to Terax. They're, like, trying to keep him off of his feet... He's, but he's like standing up against him until Johnny Storm comes up and he's like trying to launch a big attack, but he gets like swatted down. Yeah. And then you know who shows up? Who? Bruce Banner. <gasps> Once, several years ago, while testing various weapon systems, the Scroll Army accidentally exposed a small northeastern city to massive doses of gamma radiation. All died but one. 
Here, he is called the Gamma Beast. He is the maxi heavyweight champion of the games, feared more than admired. And he just smacks him across, only for the thing to be there. And they just tag team the shit out of him. And it is. I assume they killed him. That's how I assumed it went down. Mm hmm. They are no longer competitors, just human beings, long enslaved, and oddly enough, forced to dispatch their emancipator. And then, bam, a plan is afoot. Yeah, they've uh, all gone into the uh, scroll labs, and everyone is just super excited about everything that they have access to. Especially Reed. <laughs> he does like, bam, science, bro. Uh, but then they finally get their mission from the Talus, which is like, oh, I really hate that we had to wait this long to get the mission. And their mission is beat Galactus. And then we basically have the big fight of Galactus starts when they show up. Well, first, actually, now we find out the big secret to Revelation Truth, which is Nocturne is pregnant. With Proud Stars, baby. Oh, you, you skipped over the point where Blink gets to say if Hinchers assemble. Oh, yes. Yeah. My bad. But yes, we find out that, bam, babies are being made. Yep, they've been, uh, not, uh, bumping uglies or knocking boots, whichever way you want to say it. Yep. But this is when we get to see my little favorite thing here. Which is basically a reinterpretation of that great what-if issue when Swordsman tries to take on Galactus. Well, you're skipping a whole bunch of stuff here. You're pulling a Luke during Batman uh, Holy Terror. Because they do break into the armory, they find uh, a super powerful scrolled weapon that they think is going to work. That's when they find out she's pregnant. Uh, they try launching every nuclear missile at Galactus, and it does nothing. Because he's got a magical force field. Yeah. And, uh, Captain, er, the Captain tries to send in a uh, secret strike force to go under it, and then they get swordsmen. Zap. <laughs> yeah. Basically, here's how I take it. It's that great episode of Spongebob, where Plankton has that dream, he's really tall, and has laser eyes. <laughs> Zap. This and yet, Captain Dead. I love this line. This group shouldn't even be able to get Galactus's attention. Despite their impatience and, and misplaced bravery, they shouldn't be in any danger. Unfortunately, a few of them fire a certain type of scroll disruptor beam that will damage Galactus's massive device. It gets his attention. It tries his patience. And they pay the price. Yeah. And then yeah. they find out that, oh, actually, the magical thing is just on the top surface, it's not underground. Okay, Mole Man, time to blow this joint. Yeah, Mole Man, who was uh, just Harvey, Eld or Harvey Elder in this universe, he runs out with his uh, Moloids and his monsters, and they've stuck a bomb underneath it. And it all caves in under. Which I love, too, they put in the thing... It was like, it took some of Harvey's largest surface creatures the better part of four hours to move that bomb there. It's just like, he made it seem like that was like the hardest thing to do. Is like, it took four hours. Well, when you've got a limited amount of time. I mean, I get that, but it makes it, to me, it made it seem like 
It's like the end of uh, the film version of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Do you know how long it took me to assemble the Evil League of uh, Evil Exes? Like three hours, man. <laughs> and then we get a uh, another splash page of all of the heroes advancing. So you've got the Abomination. Uh, you've got Puck. Uh, you've got a uh, yeah, Dragon Man. Uh, I can't figure out if that's supposed to be like Black Panther, the guy with the guns in the bottom left corner. Probably. Yeah, there. This isn't. One of the universes right now have like costumes resembling their normal ones, so it's harder to tell. But they just get on top of Galactus and they're knocking him down. But we find out that normally when uh, Earth, or normally when Galactus goes to planets. Oh, is it Neymar? Down at the bottom? By the thing? Uh, with the weird tattoos? Yeah. I think so. But we find out that normally when Galactus goes to these planets, he's hungry, he's tired, he doesn't have a lot of energy. This is Galactus coming to the planet just because he's an asshole. This is Galactus at full strength. <laughs> uh, this is Galactus who really doesn't like that the scrolls have been on this planet. And... Yeah, they they don't necessarily have him on the ropes, but... The Banner Beast is running up with the secret weapon. It's got a sort of negative nuclear charge. He gets zapped away, so it falls to Thunderbird to get it. And That's when Thunderbird starts turning really weird. I did not like the art for this part. He goes like... He looks like a fucking stingray. He looks like a xenomorph velociraptor. Yeah. Like, all of his, like, paneling starts to expand. He's full-on death mode and... I mean, they do a great line. Like, this issue has a lot of just really great uh, narration moments. He was John Proudstar, an Apache. He served as a soldier in the United States Army before becoming an X-Man. The monster Apocalypse saw the rage in him as an asset. He made him into one of his four horsemen. He made John Proudstar into war. John had been haunted by so many ghosts. His father... His brother James, his race, he thinks of them now as he allows his humanity to slip away. And when he thinks of what his life has been about, he hits upon it. Sacrifice. And he feels fate's foot on his back. And he slams the bomb into Galactus's back, and it's like a negative force energy. They describe it as him punching into a star. And this is the first time that uh, Galactus has felt pain. So he, he just gets the hell out of there. He, he's been dealing with too much. And we just see Thunderbird's broken body lying there on the ground. He's, he's back in his mostly human form. And like when we see him next, he's missing a lot of the uh, mechanical parts as he's sitting in the hospital. Yep. And we find out that after all of that sacrifice, he may heal, but he doesn't have any brain waves. So he may be in a coma, or he may be brain dead. And Nocturne's just ready to wave there for him. Until we have our new lover show up! Sasquatch! Alright guys, we're gonna go somewhere. We're gonna have a fun time. And Nocturne is just freaking out. Yeah, she's just crying out. And 
the, and John the does not come with. Yep. Though this was the one, this was the one question I had too, which was this weapon that they shoved into Galactus to make him flee away. That was a scroll weapon. So I'm like, why did the scrolls not think to use that weapon? They didn't because that was like Morph's like first thought of that thing right there. Well, Morph's fought Galactus before. And but the scrolls know what Galactus is, though. But the scroll, but you needed to get someone to get that weapon in close. Like Galactus just swatted away the nuclear missiles, so they needed a way to get him down, to get it close, and to apply it directly to him. Yeah, I guess it, it's one of those things where you, you had to set it up for the sacrifice. But yeah, we have uh, lost our second team member here, and it is uh, rough. And then we cut to uh, the next episode, which is a flashback. Many months ago, before the Scroll World, before the Battle of Galactus. And uh, this is issue 11 by Judd Winnick, Jim Calafior, Eric Cannon on inks. You're the same people who did coloring and lettering before. And on this world, they had a really simple mission. They had to stop a bank robbery, and as a reward, they have a week-long vacation. And everyone's like, we want to go to a nudie beach. But uh-oh, we don't want more fare. Mariko, you haven't been with the team as long. You weren't there for like a full two days. <laughs> it's your job to keep more of the hell away. It's like in TV shows where twins are like, yeah, you were born five seconds later, so I'm the oldest one. Yep. But I mean, Morph is really the person who wouldn't want to show up at a nude beach. Yep. And, uh... So she's like, fine. And how does she convince Morph to go away? <laughs> oh, I need to go shopping. Come with me, Morph. We're gonna go shopping for lingerie. <sighs> and then, bam! Morph's hat pops up. Just yeah. like that great classic Simpsons episode. Radioactive, man. Well, and, like, some of the other expressions here are... Like, fantastic, like, uh, Thunderbird and Nocturne give themselves to each other the high five. Uh, Merica looks pissed the entire time. And, uh, like... Blank's giving the thumbs up. <laughs> the double thumbs up. But yeah, they end up and at... Mimic looks smug. <laughs> yeah. And they end up at George's thongs and things. Which... It's just gratuitous TNA here for... The point of gratuitous yeah. TNA. Well, it's like I. It it also reflects back on the problem of most of the people who draw art have no idea about fashion. So it's like all of these are vastly distinct styles, and don't really fit personality. Yeah. And all the time, Morph is pretty much just sitting there catcalling, and uh, being a dick. But he does know that, uh, or, but... Until he calls Mariko out on the fact that she is just there to make him ditch the others. Yeah. And we find out that, uh, he has a master's engineer, or master's degree in computer engineering. Yep. And so he was sort of hurt by her doing this. Yep. And, uh... Especially, too, when he makes the comment, too, he's like, hey, it would have been silly and educational had I actually been with him. Have you ever seen the size of Mimic's hands and feet? It was probably a good idea. It wasn't there. Mm -hmm. 
And so they decide. Now this guy's how Blink is not pregnant. <laughs> and so, uh, they decide to head out of there and just have fun getting food. And we get really weird, sort of out of the moment, or out of the, out of nowhere character building moments. Like there was an ad for cigarettes. And. Yeah, this guy. Weird. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, but I mean, cigarette advertisements, they're just all over this country. The tobacco companies just pound away at foreign markets, and every time the U.S. raises taxes on cigarette sales, they just raise a price out here and double the advertising. Look at this. And they just give away merchandise so people end up wearing advertisements on their backs. Did you notice how many people smoke out here? And then he's like, What the hell do you care? My mom died of lung cancer when I was 13. Wow, way to totally just bring it down, Morph. Yeah. Hey, what were your parents like? Let's go get food. <laughs> yeah! And, uh... That's when we get the big-ass shot of... Pemmick. And all the ladies are staring. And we find out that he has the best ass beyond, uh... Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. So, put that on your chart of every ass ever. Yep. Tony's got the number one, and Tony gets bonus points because of his age. Mm-hmm. Which I can understand. Uh, yeah. It's such a weird issue because this is like, oh, let's have an emotional moment for, uh, Morph and Mariko. Let's also have TNA everywhere. Look how hot Mimic's ass is. All the ladies be like, yeah, boy. Except that, like, his body is pretty much completely in shadow. Like, we don't see any of his back because it's all pretty much shadowed out. And then we get pretty, uh... I don't want to say detailed because that's not really the term, but we get a lot of just casually out of, uh... or casually shadowed out shots of, uh... Blink and Nocturne's body. And it's like, really, guys? Really? But then we cut back to more fun stuff with uh, Morph eating everything at a restaurant because they have infinite money. Yep. And then he brings back up America's parents. Tilly, what you doing? Why didn't you do your thing? Why, 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 why are you talking about your parents, yo? And uh, he talks about how he really did, how Blink, er, and then we get a moment where Morph talks more about his relationship with his father and how after his mom died, he really didn't want to laugh anymore. And so Blink, er, and so Morph kept getting more and more, and so Morph kept getting more and more ridiculous and trying to laugh. And so that's how he became the way that he is. And uh, we find out that Mariko got her powers when she was 12. And up to that point, she had been the sort of stereotypical Asian uh, ultra student had to study, get straight A's and everything and yep. she was all going to, and that was just so she could get married and have babies so when her powers manifested her parents just saw it as a big shame and she started like fighting back against them until she fled to the United States when she was 16 and Professor X had her join the X-Men and uh, she also won't talk to them because she's gay and then we get a bunch of just staring shots of Morph. 
Mm-hmm. All within fuzzled. Yeah, because he's trying to look and figure it out, and there's this really interesting difference. You've run runaways, right? Yeah, there are most of it. Yeah. Uh, you know Zabin. Maybe. Uh, he was the scroll uh, girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's really interesting how they deal with gender between these two series, because Morph definitely identifies as a man, and uh, Zavin is much more gender-fluid. Mm-hmm. It, just an interesting comment, because they had been talking about uh, Zavin over on uh, Journey into Misery. Which, you can check out the interview that I did, or the episode that I did with Karen Sheak later this week. But, yeah, Morph is uh, just trying to be... Well, Morph is being pretty cool about this anyways. And he, he feels bad about not really picking it up. But he's also trying to hide it too because he also totally had a thing for Mariko. Yeah. But it's... Uh, yeah, it ends with the two of them launching water balloons filled with beer over at the rest of the party. For ditching them. Yep. Which I, I'd say is a reasonable recompense. Oh, I agree. Especially on Morse part. Mm-hmm. So next time, we're going to have a new Exiles team show up? What? What? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a... It's going to be a good one. That's good. Yeah. But... So how did you feel about these issues? I mean, I think this is where... Like it said, it starts to flow. Other than those like plot holes I was kind of mentioning, like I thought this was good. Yeah, a lot of the time there's questions about how certain characters got their powers, but it's like the sixteen oh two universes or some of them where it's uh, it's this sort of it's this character but in a different setting and they don't always make sense on how they got their powers. Yeah, like they specifically explained Bruce Banner. So yeah, like they explained Bruce Banner. They explained Stephen True. Relative standpoint, the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. But like Spider-Man, Spider-Man, it could have been the scrolls were trying to mutate spiders because they have shit all else to do. Yeah. And he got bit then. Mm. But yeah, otherwise, I know the captain made sense because they're experimenting on soldiers. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you feel about uh, episode 11 and... Uh, Mariko sort of coming out. That's fine, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the big draws that Jed Winnick originally had, was he had been on uh, The Real World, and one of the characters came out as being gay, and came out as having, or one of the people on the show, not characters, came out was, as being gay, had AIDS, <laughs> and so like his willingness to sort of talk about this was revolutionary at the time, which somewhat feels a bit dated nowadays. Like Wait, by, on the show or on the comic? Uh, well, on the show, and then he brought that sort of openness into the comics. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting. It was about ten years too late, but... Because we already had North Star by that point. Yeah, but North Star really... Well, we haven't seen where Marigo goes from this, but, like, even... North Star, and even a lot of the characters, uh, Comic Slides had a great piece uh, discussing the new Midnighter series that DC did, mm-hmm. and how, like, North Star and a lot of these other characters are in very chaste relationships 
where they're either already dating someone in their committed relationship or we never really see implications of them having sex. Mm-hmm. And the Midnighter, he's broken up from, I think it's Apollo. He's banging dudes all he wants, and we see, like, post-coital Midnighter. Okay. And, like, how revolutionary that still is in superhero comics. Surprising DC's doing it, then. Yeah, well, they've got, like, a great new team. I believe it's uh, Andy Corey, who used to write the comics lines, who's now one of their editors. And, like, if what they're doing now had been the New 52, I think you would be reading a lot more DC stuff. Maybe. They're, they're taking chances, they're going in new directions. Batman is now Jim Gordon in a mecha robot. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah. In his bunny costume. Yeah. His, uh, yes. anime robot. Yes. Mm-hmm. But people are like, there's like people online talking about that, they're like, oh, people are like all upset saying that it looks like a bunny costume. I'm like, well, it does. It looks exactly like a bunny costume. Mm-hmm. Now people complain that Jim Gordon's too old. That doesn't bother me. No, and I mean he got de-aged. Yeah, it was like, he looks like uh, it was like Gordon. It was like a, he's probably in his fifties. I'm like, yeah, whatever. He looks like what's his name from Taxi Driver. Yeah, but it looks like a fucking uh, buddy though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, these were definitely the big thing I know that's happening for DC right now is the new Superman thing, which all the people at the comic shop are freaking out, or not freaking out about, but are getting pissed at DC for. Which is all these issues keep coming out saying, oh, this takes place after Superman number 41. Apparently there's like six or seven issues that say that. And yeah. Superman 41 hasn't come out yet. Well, and there's a lot of real inconsistencies with his powers that <laughs> people have been complaining about. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of these new directions are interesting. A lot of these new titles and creative teams are interesting. Like, they're getting people who don't have the DC house style anymore. And like I said, this is what they should have done when they rebooted, like, was that three years ago now? Four years ago now? I think four. It was 2011. Yeah. Well, then they had their whole fiasco with the whole Batwoman series. <sighs> yeah, they they have some tone-deaf people, but they've gotten better editors. I mean. And then my favorite, which was... Oh, um... Marvel, oh, that was like Marvel announces that North Star's getting married, and then like four days later, DC's like, oh yeah, remember that like Green Lantern from like the 19, like, 20s that like no one Alan cares Scott. about? Yeah. Oh, like, like Alan Scott. But like, he's never around. No one really cares. He's like, we're gonna just retcon seven years worth of sexuality and make him gay now. And in doing so, they removed his son, who was bisexual and openly bisexual. Nice. And they also got rid of his daughter. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know that, but yeah, even more classic. And it's just like, oh, then my favorite was like one of their comments, which was, this is not a knee-jerk reaction to what Marvel did. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like the most knee-jerk reaction thing you could do. Yeah. Uh, Marvel, and and their comment was, he was like, we realize that we should become more progressive. I'm like, you're not becoming more progressive. If anything, you look like an idiot. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyways, we have comics to add on to Trials of the Multiverse. And now this list updates are taking place after the episode with Kieran Shiak. So there's one number that we've added on here. So spoilers for that if you're the type of person who gets really upset about the order of things not making sense. You done? Yep. Because, I mean, that's getting picked up on the sound. 
<laughs> Have a fun Sunday, Luke. Yeah. Sunday fun day. I've got like six hours of editing ahead of me. Oh, that's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yes. Go again, Luke. So yes. <laughs> Uh, so now we have, uh, yeah, so now we have, uh, several universes to add to Trials of the Multiverse. The first one is Earth 2318, where it's the Savage Land, two continents wide. And we get a panel of this. I don't know. Well, I think we can more rate this against ideas where <laughs> they were equally simple, or equally not very developed. So, where would this compare to you, or compare for you? Above Wolverine sucks. Okay, is it better or worse than the hotel where, or the hotel from the Nuff Set issue? No. Everyone loves the hotel. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I'm fine putting it uh, at our new 24 spot, so. It has the man who's checking out more than the judgmental coworker. <laughs> Savage land, two continents wide. Okay, up next we have uh, President Tony Stark. I like that one. Mm -hmm. I would be interested in that universe. Uh, well, do we like it more than, uh, yeah, a lot of our other very simple episode or worlds are down at the bottom. Well, our, okay, do we want to put this in the same range as the hotel from the Nuff Set issue? No, it's better than that. Okay. Uh, is it better than Spider-Man? Yes. Okay. Is it better than Spider-Man drawing Fantastic Four? Mm, yes. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd get it right out above it. Uh, well, that puts it between Black Widow, Thor, and uh, our secret number 13 spot. Okay. Yeah, I'd do that. I'd put it in the 15 spot right under Spider-Man drawing Fantastic Four. Well, I'm going to disagree with you. Well, I let you put that last one down, and I mean, uh, Spider-Man drawing Fantastic Four has Namor being the best dude. I'm pro Namor. <laughs> uh, President Tony Stark. You're just uh, mad because he would keep you down. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have uh, the Gamma Planet, where everyone is a Hulk. Earth 23018. I don't know, to me that was kind of a boring universe. Below Savage Land. Uh, just because nothing seemed to be different other than they were just Hulks. Well, is it worse than Wolverine? No. Being the worst? No. So, directly under Savage Land? Directly under Savage Land. Okay. Uh... Gamma Planet is number 26 on our list. Uh, up next, we have uh, the Spider Demon, which Spider Demon was cool. I like Spider Demon. He can be above President Tony Stark. He can even be above Fantastic Four Spider. I'd put that above uh, Black Widow Thor just because the design was very cool. It was really cool. Well, I might put that above uh, Jean Grey Trial of the Phoenix. I would do that as well. So then it's right under uh, Cretaceous Sam. Yep. And that's Earth 32091. 
Spider Demon didn't show up in Spider Verse. Right? Mm hmm. It's like a lot. Gosh, Dan Slot. Remember those promises that you made? Empty promises. Yeah. Where was Spider Man who helped fight Galactus? Where's my Spider Man fan fiction? Uh, next one we have X Babies. Earth 971023. Well, this version of X Babies was just okay. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't put it up. It's not Scotty Young X Babies. Yeah, I put that between Savage Land and Gamma Planet. Yeah. So that's in the twenty seventh spot. Earth nine seven one zero two three. X Babies. Uh, Antelope Men. Low, super low. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Antelope Men. Is it Batman Holy Terror low? Yes. Uh, under- Batman Holy Terror like, kind of entertained me. Yeah. Okay. But, like, right under that, we have Age of Ultron, which was actively not good. Yeah. No, both of them. So, uh, between Holy Terror and Age of Ultron? Yeah. Okay. It's like an antelope, man. Earth 39102. Antelope, man. Uh, and then we have, uh, the Scroll Earth. What do we I want? like that one. Uh, yeah, it was a cool one. There were a lot of stories. They got to beat Galactus. So, where does it stand in comparison to what if the Avengers fought Galactus? It's better than that. that that's going up high. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely fine putting it up there, so then it would go right under Thunderworld, because it does not beat him. No, it's not. So, uh, what do we want to call that? Earth Scroll or Scroll Gladiators? Yeah. Scroll Gladiators. Or Gauls. Gauls. <laughs> I'll put Scroll Gladiators. Parentheses Gauls. Gauls or Gauls. G L U L L S. Gauls. <laughs> I might go Gladiator. No, Gauls. <laughs> okay. Uh, and or Scrolldiators. Scrolldiators. Gauls. 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 Okay, and then the last one we have is... Hi guys, I'm the captain. I'm a Gaul. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then the last one that we have is Earth 9212. Which is new beach and all you can eat. Oh man, number one planet there. <laughs> I don't know, my problem is, I don't know. I mean, there was nothing interesting about that particular world. Mexican, or uh, South American cigarette heads. Who's Mexican? They're Mexican. It was more of a setting than anything. Is it better than Hotel from Nuffset issue? No. Wait. Yeah, good. I'll get it right above it. Uh, what was it better than? No. So. What? Okay. So we'll go in the twenty-six uh, spot, yep. right under. What if Age of Ultron Secret Service had exploded? Yeah. So, that is Earth. Nine two one two. And uh. Lingerie. Well, you can 
eat New Beach. Yeah, a few of these names I've looked back and I've tried to figure out what they refer to. <laughs> it does not make sense. Nope. Okay. And uh, next week on Multiversal Q, we'll be covering... A What If Comedy Special. Yeah, so we're going to add like 50 new universes onto the list. Yay. Which will be interesting. Because uh, I, I was not expecting uh, some of the stuff to get as high or as low as it did. I mean, Spider-Demon in the number 12 spot is huge. But, yeah. Spider-Demon uh, was sweet. Multiversal Q is a weekly podcast. Uh, I am Luke. I'm at Coltreg on the Twitter. I'm Devin. I'm at Fred Fett. Multiversal Q is on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can email us. Uh, at multiversal q or at multiversalq at gmail.com and uh, yeah feel free to send us in questions we still have our contest from like the third issue that nobody has entered yet feel free to leave uh, reviews on iTunes Podomatic and Stitcher and subscribe subscribing helps and uh, tell your friends yeah uh, if there is something that you would like to see us cover we are building a large collection of what-if issues true. and uh, other stories. And, uh, yeah, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. And come back later this week for two bonus episodes with Kieran Shiak and Scott Koblish. Peace. Quentin Choir. Bam. I just found the greatest mentor in time ever.